Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. Uh, this is your host, C. Travis Webb, uh, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, uh, this is Seth Rodney. Uh, typically, you hear Stephen's voice uh, as the second person speaking on the podcast, but he happens to be away on, I guess, business this weekend. Well, he's in Paris, yeah? Right, yeah. No, you know, yeah, a combination of, pa- of business and pleasure, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, this is Seth. I am speaking to you from Newburgh. I am a former, uh, what was it, what was I called? Chief critic? Critic of senior, senior record? Senior critic. <laughs> <laughs> for, <laughs> for Hyperallergic. And their opinions editor. And uh, now I'm an independent arts writer and budding curator the least three shows i'm currently working on right now so i think i am justified in adding that to my um elevator pitch uh and (laughs) i'm glad to be here uh this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together um and today, so obviously Stephen's off the podcast uh, today, not off the podcast, but traveling, and so it can't be here, or uh, preparing to travel, not sure if he's uh, where he's at exactly today, but definitely will be or is on his way to Paris. Um, so I thought it would be a good opportunity for uh, Seth and I to just uh, talk about our differences in the last uh, year and a half or two years, which it's not as if he and I have not had conversations about this. Um, we've had, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but a few certainly. And we've had a couple of email exchanges. Um, and I thought, you know, those of you that have listened to the podcast for a while, uh, obviously, uh, have heard, uh, the tension in many of our conversations, uh, especially around the pandemic, almost exclusively around the pandemic, although it sort of lingered and drifted into other topics, I think, too. Um, and so, I don't know, I thought I'd been wanting to talk to Seth about it. We had an email exchange, um, I don't know, a month ago, two, two months ago, something like that. Um, and, you know, kind of, we exchanged a couple emails and then, you know, sort of let it lie. Um, but I don't know, I'd kind of like to wrap it up and I'd wanted to talk to him and I thought, it's the two of us. So if, uh, if this topic sounds tedious and boring to you, you know, catch up with us, you know, in two weeks, but, uh, we're gonna, we'll get through some stuff. So we'll practice what we preach intellectual intimacy. So, um, so I, I was gonna say, do you want to get started? But it's probably not fair for me to do that. Right. Since it was my idea to, to talk about it. So, um, so, Let's start with um, uh, let's start with anger, okay? Because um, I know you have been concerned. Um, you've expressed that to me um, explicitly, articulately, um, that you were concerned about sort of the intensity of my anger um, around COVID and sort of since that time, and that you were worried that my anger might lead me into like some dark corners of the culture or some, um, uh, some idea or, or just sort of cause me to, to, 
to take up arms with people that I would not otherwise agree with. Is that a fair characterization or, or not? I would just say I was, I'm concerned. I suppose I am still a little that it just leads you, your, your sense of betrayal leads you to bitterness. I mean, there's, I think there's, I think I said it on some podcasts that there's a, pretty important distinction between I think it's suspicion and skepticism and I think that you've always been kind of skeptical mm -hmm. uh, I think that is a core part of your of critical thinking apparatus um, or critical thinking approach um, but suspicious that that it feels differently now when you talk about like the New York Times, you talk about mainstream media, you talk about them as if they kind of always already are corrupt and not trustworthy. And even in the moments when, I mean, we talked about this in terms, in specific reference to my hypoallergic piece, which I'd written, I think, a couple of years ago, where I detailed the mistakes that I'd made as an art critic and, and went mm -hmm. over how... I failed in certain instances and, and what I mm -hmm. had learned from those failures. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how the New York Times did something. I think it was like, it was, it was earlier this year. I think it was like in summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and we talked about this and, and I vociferously disagreed with, uh, what is that conservative guy? The guy, um, he has Brooks like the most or the other one. No, the other um, one. They had really American name, really white guy American name. Brett Stevens. Thank you, Brett Stevens, who um, I frequently disagree with, and I, I particularly dislike because he's gone out of his way to try to get people, f to try to get at least one person fired because he wrote something that he thought was um, mm -hmm. insulting mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. him, um, and we disagreed on. Um, well, you said essentially that you thought that most of what was happening in the Times in that mistake segment was performative and really not mm -hmm. soul-searching at all. And the people you think, you, the person you've cited as going, getting closest to actually kind of touching the third rail of, of, um, of real critical um, introspection was Brett Stevens mm -hmm. because he mm -hmm. said, you know, he thought he was risking something by saying that he might have been wrong about the Trumpist people not being actually mm -hmm. deeply mistaken mm -hmm. and, and I, awful. I remember that now. Yeah. 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 And, and I just, and I just thought, no, no, that's like, that's actually, that's one of the easier things to say now that you recognize that the kind of movement that brought Trump and a certain kind of, what's the word? A certain kind of um, normlessness to the mm -hmm. front of um, U.S. American political act activity um, was wrong. Like I, I, it just, it just seems like that's a kind of no-brainer. Like that, th th that, that seemed to be what Brett Stevens was admitting to, and I'm no, he was admitting that he mm -hmm. he had dismissed. He was aggressively anti-Trump. What he was saying in that piece, to my recollection, which mm. you know I don't have a 
uh, a perfect catalog of Brett Stevens' arguments mm. uh, was that essentially um, he was wrong to dismiss the complaints of Trump's supporters, and he was wrong to dismiss uh, Trump's movement. And that's what I thought was actually risky in his social circle, because you are permitted to be a conservative that rejects Trump and populism. You are not permitted, you know, to the extent that that's true, I, I'm I'm hedging because I say not permitted. That's probably too heavy handed. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There's yeah. probably a counterexample, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in general, yeah. um, you're definitely going to get some sideways glances if you are defending uh, Trump's movement and populism. And he tiptoed up to that line. And he, but I don't, I don't. If, to my recollection, he did not cross it to to fully to defending it. Okay, fair. So that actually makes me think worse of him, because <laughs> that, because I, but but it, your argument makes sense when you talk when you take into consideration his social circle. I think you're right about mm-hmm. that. I think that there's a kind of, um, there's a kind of upper crust sort of disdain for the kind of um, boorishness and. Mm-hmm. Um, dishonesty and um, kind of yes, kind of stupidity that that is championed by Trump and by his his supporters. I mean, there's a kind of you know among among his supporters, there's a, there's a kind of joy in that sort of willful ignorance, right? So this is this is where I mean, you're touching on a lot of the things that are are. I don't feel angry about it in the same way anymore, but definitely still frustrated. You're you're touching on the crux of what is a nerve for me, mm-hmm. which is that all of the things that you are describing mm-hmm. are valid and are absolutely mirrored in a Star Trek dark mirror universe on the other side. Mm-hmm. Literally, all of the policies that were attached to the pandemic and have continued in in the state of California, we are still in a state of emergency. In New York City, only two weeks ago or a week ago, did they lift the prohibition against student athletes from participating if they were not vaccinated when children are at floating somewhere near zero risk from COVID. Mm -hmm. So the 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 perniciousness the viciousness the stupidity the meanness that you are describing mm. which i will just accede to on the right absolutely that is in, in this, it's it's in the fabric of right wing politics especially right now and it is in the fabric of left wing politics just as tightly implicated just as tightly wound up I mean, and I know it because I was the object of it. Like I was the target of that, of that kind of vitriol, that dismissal, that, that just willful stupidity. And so I get like, even now you can hear like my voice changes or whatever it, um, it, uh, that, that's frustrating for me, Seth. Like that, that is, I have a hard time with that 
when we talk about those things. I should, and I also want to say, I mean, you, I know you know this, but you know, listeners don't know this. Like I love Seth. I've known Seth as long, I mean, near long as I've known my wife. Like, I mean, we have been best friends for so many decades. So for me, our friendship is precious. And so I would, I would just like, that's in a vitrine and set aside. And if anything, you know, other than like, you know, you stabbing someone like it, 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 that I, that I loved, like I can, you know, I can always back off of that because of that, you know, that deep history and the various ways that we've been there for one and over another over the years. But it really irritates me when I hear you talk about one side that way because the other side's doing that so much. And so anyway, I, there, I mean. But here, here's what I, I, I think, I think that I tend not to talk about the other side because in all honesty, and let's bracket aside for a moment the, the policies around COVID and the pandemic because I think okay. that, that's, I really do think that that's a case that brought a lot of stuff to the surface that maybe wasn't there before or maybe was percolating unseen. I don't, I don't know. But let's move that aside for just a moment. What I never, almost never see um, mm. on the left, which I definitely see on the right, are these moments when people celebrate other people being hurt. Like that, I don't see on the left. I see. I, I can't, so I can, uh, a couple of things. Um, I feel in, in the, in the discussion, I feel like it's an unfair move to set aside COVID if that's going to be what you want to talk about, because mm -hmm. I have lots of examples of that on the left of celebrations of like, I mean, literally like photos of people dying that weren't vaccinated and, you know, kind of celebratory discussions of that in the media, even by, by, uh, not my like Jake Tapper and stuff like that, but in social media is what I mean to say. And even, and famous people doing the same thing. And so I've definitely seen that. Now I, I don't, if you want to bracket COVID, I can, we can do that. I have no problem with it, but that particular example, I've ready at hand examples of that. I also think that, oh, go ahead. You're about to no, 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 no. Keep going. Uh, good. I, I think, you know, probably if you gave me a few minutes, it wouldn't be, um, uh, I'll give you an example of one that I've definitely seen op-eds on, um, you know, they're done in, they, they couch them in the terms that are polite, uh, and that would pass at a, at a high class cocktail party, but the, the dismissal, the criticism, uh, the disdain for people who build their houses in hurricane areas. And like it just the like the, the stupidity of these people that they just move their communities like what like of when you know that you're going to have natural disasters or you know global warming is is going to destroy your home because of the lifestyle that you embrace because you're a capitalist pig you know the, these sort of you know trailer dwelling white people you know. Um, Definitely. I, I mean, if you gave me a few minutes, I could definitely find stories about that. So I, the meanness that you are describing, um, I think is alive and well on the other side as well. So very, I, I, I can't argue that. 
I don't see those things. Those things don't, don't, aren't apparent to me. That's just not mm -hmm. what comes across my newsfeed and not what I generally pay attention to. I think there is a, a slight distinction I want to, a slight but important one I want to make here, which is mm -hmm. in, in those stories when, um, I think maybe the politeness actually makes a difference to me, Travis, because in those stories mm. where, like the ones I'm more from, I'll, I'll use an example I'm more familiar with, which is mm. stories that, as you say, couch the criticism of this person's personal choices to build, let's say, you know, on a crumbling beachfront in Florida. Mm. The kind of critique that I've seen is, it's in essence saying, this, you know, in, in essence saying, this is not a smart move. Why, why would you do this? The, the, the climate change is real. Um, you probably know the consequences of action. And if you don't, then it's kind of dumb. And if you do, then that's just willful ignorance. You're doing this, right? You're building on this, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on this site. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that I've seen. What I'm talking mm -hmm. about when I talk- I, I would agree with that. I think that's a fair characterization of the type of, of what I'm trying to, of what I'm saying. I think right. that's fair. Right. But what I'm talking about is, and I don't see on the left, when uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was attacked in her house, mm. um, I think it was, and, and he's kind of a limit case, but he's, but, he's, but, he's, but he's representative of this kind of rhetoric that I see cropping up on the right. I think it was um, the, one of the, the, you know, the near-do-well son of Trump, the, the coked-up one. What's his name? Um, I don't really. I think it's Trump um, Jr. That guy. Anyway, yeah, I think it is. I think it's like, Don yeah. Jr. Don Jr. Yeah, yeah. He's like a mafia character. He sounds yeah. like a Don Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Don <laughs> Jr. Right. He he tweeted out this uh, this uh, image of um, his Halloween costume, and he said something like, "Got my Halloween costume," and it's these tidy whitey Fruit of the Looms underwear and a hammer, and it's like that kind of thing. I see a lot on the right. Yeah, I super, don't super ugly, disgusting, awful behavior. Absolutely right. But Absolutely, I, but that I don't see on the left. Like I do see do you, people. Go do ahead. you? So what about when Trump got COVID? You right. really don't. You really don't think that no, there were. No, well, here's here's what I remember. Here's what I remember right. seeing across my feed on Facebook. On Facebook specifically, mm -hmm. was. There was this drag, um, I don't want to say contest, it was an event, and there were lots of um, queens sitting around, um, mm -hmm. and then uh, it was something like they were watching something, and so, or someone said, hey, you know, the president has contracted COVID. And all of them just kind of look at each other quietly, and they look down and away, and nobody says a word. And that's, that's the extent to which I saw of people I may have seen something. I may have seen worse, but I don't. I don't recall a, a like on my feed and Facebook like anybody is actually coming out and saying, "God, I hope he died." Like not like uh, for sure. It's uh, all up for sure. If you okay, I believe you. Oh, yeah. I believe you. I mean, but but on Twitter, I mean, I don't really. You know, I'm not a heavy social media user. Mm -hmm. uh, with the except, you know, I've kind of picked up a Twitter. I wouldn't say habit, but. Uh, Inclination, you know, I go on Twitter and, and I tweet. And I mean, that's sort of where my social media presence is. Right. Um, uh, all, all over Twitter. Mm. I mean, def definitely, definitely, definitely celebrations of Trump's uh, COVID diagnosis and, you know, outright 
like celebration and prayer that mm. he would die and mm. how delicious, what a delicious irony that would be. Mm. Um, and I think maybe you didn't see that, but I'm sure if you paused, I mean, as we are doing this conversation, of course it's easy for you to imagine mm-hmm. that that was people's reaction. Some, that for there sure. Isn't th- yeah, that there isn't this vein of decency amongst progressives that is absent in conservatives. There's a vein of decency in human beings in general, mm-hmm. because again, most people aren't on fucking social media. Most people aren't on social media. Most mm-hmm. people aren't on social media. Most people aren't on social media. Like that's, a, it's, it's a very tiny sliver of our population that really heavily engage in social media and engage in symbolic cultural warfare, mm-hmm. uh, which is what a lot of this is. Um, mm-hmm. And which is way better than real warfare. So I'll take it any day. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Of course, there was all there was ugliness and meanness around uh, Trump. And if something happened to Mitch McConnell, do you think that? Do you honestly think that there wouldn't be people like kicking up their heels and celebrating if, if something happened to Mitch McConnell on on the progressive left? Like, yeah, I mean, mm. for sure, mm. for sure, right. But I still think that there's a slight difference there in that uh, what I see. I'm 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 going to try to articulate this. I don't know that I'm, and don't know that I'm going to do it well, but mm-hmm. it feels like <laughs> it feels like cognitive dissonance is what it feels like. No, I mean that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, but, I, I no, thought, I, that's why I said it. I thought you would appreciate it. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think I think it's more that. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, well, I feel like on the left this happens too, that people get so angry that they even call out other so-called progressives and ask for them to be like oh, yeah, summarily, sure. summarily dealt with. Um, um, I will say in your, in support of, of in sort of in, in defense of you in this mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're not reaching for it. I do think that for you, the area, the spaces that you occupy intellectually, mm-hmm. um, do not spend a lot of time thinking about the nonsense that is ostensibly on the progressive, quote unquote, on the progressive side. Mm-hmm. You don't really engage with a lot of the arguments around you know, kind of the most extreme forms of being woke. You know, I don't have a better word for it. I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not I'm not laying a criticism out at this point, but you don't really spend a lot of time there. You spend time thinking about the things that are meaningful to you, which have nothing to do with that other stuff. And so you don't, you know, it's, it's not something you're overly preoccupied with. So it's not hard for me to imagine that many of the types of meanness that are there on the progressive left, you don't really see because you don't really engage with those people or those ideas in that way. So it's not, it's not, um, it's clear to me, sorry, I should just say it affirmatively. It's clear to me that that's a plausible explanation. It's just not in my, it's just not in my experience a lot. It's just really not. And, And I think what happens is that when I look it up and I find those moments in, um, on the progressive side where people are actually calling for other people to be violently hurt or maimed or uh, killed. Uh, 
it doesn't register to me, I guess it doesn't register to me as being like legitimate. Whereas I think maybe what happens is on the right, I see so much of that, so much more on the surface of conversations around um, voting, especially voting, um, especially voting, uh, that it, it just, it feels more like if an argument were to break out in, an, in a restaurant somewhere, mm-hmm. the only people who would be shooting up the place would be conservatives. Uh, two responses to that. I because I, I, I want to I, I want to since we're talking about you and I the thing that frustrates me is that mm. so I believe that that you are not regularly exposed to that meanness or you don't see it for a variety of reasons you know um, many of which uh, might just be habit and structural um, some of which might be uh, uh, lack of attention whatever mm. combination of those things. Mm. But I'm telling you, <laughs> like the frustrating for me, for mm. I, I'm, I'm telling you, and, and on all these other subjects, if, mm. you know, we've been friends for so long, mm. if I'm like, hey, you know, I read this thing about, you know, fill in the blank, you know, Egyptian pharaohs or something uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. Did you know? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's really interesting. But on this topic, when, it, uh-huh. when, I, when I'm over the last couple of years, right. you know, when when this comes up and I'm telling you, no, no, they're doing this just as intensely, mm-hmm. like you kind of squirm away from it. And so I that's frustrating for me. And so because I'm t- like I in that way, my politics, I mean, my politics haven't changed. They really haven't. Like, you know, Molly and I were talking last night about like I'm still like as the Democrats have totally lost me. I still couldn't vote for Trump. I still couldn't do it. Like there's just, I could, I just, I couldn't do it. I can't do it. Won't do it. Like, I don't know what that will mean in 2024 or I'm sorry. Yeah. 20. Yeah. 2024. Yes. When he very likely gets the Republican nomination if he runs, I know there's a chance that maybe does. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine someone, I think DeSantis would maybe just like, you know, not step into it. And I know you don't like DeSantis, but I would definitely take DeSantis over Trump. Um, you mean, but, but I don't you know. Mean, you, you mean in a general election, you'd vote for Ron DeSantis? I would consider it. Absolutely. Yeah. I would wow. consider it. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, I, I, I couldn't vote for Trump. Like there's no way I could do that. Um, so my politics, um, as far as the things that I really deeply care about, the principles that I really deeply care about, um, haven't moved. Um, you think? And sometimes sorry, it, so, I'm sorry. Sorry, ahead. I'm interrupting you, but I, this is important. No, no, no. Jump in. Jump in. You think Ron DeSantis is a principled actor? No, I didn't. So even so, even your like even now, I mean, listeners can't see on the podcast. Like I can see that makes you uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, I get it. So. But that reaction, Seth, I would argue, is fully conditioned by the political. Um, it, I, I want to use the word bubble, but I don't mean bubble, right? Because it's not. I don't think you're in a bubble by the political network that you are embedded in. That's what I want to say. I, I think that that reaction is is fully conditioned by the political network you're embedded in. Because I, I oh, go ahead, please. No, no, because I want. 
Uh, be, no, no, I, so because I don't have a strong opinion in either direction about Ron DeSantis. I've read things about him that I very strongly disagree with, and he's done things that I very strongly agree with vis-a-vis how the the state of Florida handled uh, its pandemic response. Um, And so I think he really stood out in a positive way. Um, Beyond that, I don't know much about him, and I'm not going to take the time to learn about him until it gets closer to the general election, and I need to learn more about him. So it might turn out that in 2023 or 2024, if he, you know, becomes a national figure, because I don't live in Florida, so don't care that much. But if he becomes a national, pl- then I'll start doing my homework and I'll start looking at his history and I'll start looking at his voting record and I'll start looking at his campaign positions. And I will then at that point develop a a stronger opinion about him. I don't need to do that with Trump. I've done that already. I know where I stand on him. But I am no longer, like in that way, I'm politically in the wilderness. I no longer will believe any partisan assessment of the other side's politics, whether it be Democrat or Republican. Um, so, so right. So I have a couple of things to say about DeSantis. One is that I think for me, it's kind of already, a, it's, well, I'm hesitating. I think it is disqualifying mm. for me that he did these two things. Not the, okay. not the don't say gay thing, because I, I think you're right about the legislation on that. It's not quite as... Draconian. Yeah, we looked at that bill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... No, yeah. you're right. But, but the fact that he created this elect- election security force, and, mm. and, and in, in very sort of um, flashy ways... Mm-hmm. Um, sent people out to be arrested for voting when in it, it seems in most, if not all cases that these people did their time and paid their fines and they were told that, that they were able to vote, that he went, uh, that he actually put money behind creating the security force and made these mm-hmm. sort of put energy towards making these sort of Generating these, I should say, generating these sort of splashy newspaper headlines saying, basically, you know, I'm here to protect the election and I'm going to go after these people who are Mm. um, trying to game our system. Uh, When these people, it seems for the most part, made a mistake. Like Mm -hmm. that feels, it feels mean and Mm -hmm. it feels like he's, he's, um, he's playing for, uh, uh, his party in a way that feels like he's going to willfully take advantage of people in the future to play up his part, his credentials for his party. That's one. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. migrant thing of shipping, of flying these migrants on the false pretenses to Martha's Vineyard to basically dump them on progressives and say, here, you know, here's like, let's see for all your progressive talk what you actually do when you're faced with the kind of situations we're faced with. Mm-hmm. That also feels to me like really mean spirited and a little bit inhuman that you would take advantage of people who are already in dire mm-hmm. straits, like yeah, clearly economically dire straits, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't know don't know mm-hmm. what their um, don't know what their prospects are from once they once they get to the U.S. They're basically mm-hmm. here to apply for asylum. You're taking advantage of those people basically to play them off of you, the, his perceived enemies. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's mean in a way that I just don't see. Tell me, tell please tell me. I'm 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 quite willing to hear the evidence for this. I don't quite see someone else on the left who's in a position to run for president doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I probably on the spot I would probably have a hard time coming up with a counterexample if they exist. Um, I I will say two things. Um, both of those stories are framed by an oppositional press. Um, and I am totally, absolutely, to my core, opposed to using human beings as set pieces in political dramas, vulnerable human beings. So not okay with it at all. Um, just full stop. I'm just totally not okay with it. Um, so yeah, the the migrant thing, flying them there, uh, I, I don't. I don't agree with that at all. Um, it does strike me as, as uh, in a sort of Machiavellian way, as uh, effective political theater, which any national figure has to engage in. And I bet I would I would guess that if I were to look at it, um, it that you would see similar stunts. Not stunts. You would see similar callousness from major political figures on the left in the last forty years, with maybe the exception of Jimmy Carter, who I think is basically kind of a you know a little American saint. You know, I mean, he really like is a pretty amazing figure. I know people don't like him as a president, or lots of people don't, but I mean, man, really, really good human being. Um, right, but but my but I think my main point here is is. And this is why it makes me uncomfortable when you say that you could seriously consider Ron DeSantis as a as an as a mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the presidency. Is that those things for me are just disqualifying? They just so disqualifying. Okay, well let me let me. I was trying not to go back to this because you know mm-hmm. it's just we've been over this ground a lot. Um, firing federal workers for not getting vaccinated, I think, is absolutely cruel. Absolutely, um, and serve no cultural or medical positive end. Like there's no, there's no positive end to firing all those medical workers. There was, I mean, uh, to federal workers for not getting vaccinated. Um, This was something absolutely celebrated across the spectrum on the left. These people lost their jobs. I mean, who knows what their economic situation was after that. Um, Absolutely mean, cruel, and and to for no reason, none, none at all, just politics, just politics. It was just politics. They, they oh, I'm sorry, good. I do I do think that when the initial um, policy on demanding that people get vaccinated was rolled out, the basis of that was the idea, maybe mistaken, that it would protect people from getting sick that at, at the time, it, yeah, at the time, like when we started this conversation, the idea was <laughs> if people do get vaccinated, we are going to, and, and enough people get vaccinated. Basically we're going to be able to stop the pandemic in its tracks. That was the idea. But there was no, there was never any evidence of that. Ever. Like it was just, I mean, and I know this because we had these conversations because I was literally, re- I wasn't, I wasn't digesting the New York Times. I was sitting here with 
fucking biology books and, you know, for hours at a time time uh, deciphering, you know, papers that are outside of my area of expertise. But, you know, there's some tools in the box that I can pull out that are rusty to like, you know, kind of piece through these things. The evidence was never there. It was never there. Like it, it, it was, it was politics. And the reason they didn't see that, and, and if you want to say that in good faith, that they, they didn't uh, uh, understand or realize that the evidence wasn't there. That's politics. Like <laughs> they weren't looking. They, they didn't want to see it. Right. It's like the. It's the same. Um, when you when you say oh, when you say when you say they, who's they? Oh, people setting policy like Fauci at all. Right. So the, these these people <clears throat> willfully ignored the lack of evidence for these policies. They but willfully. Oh, good. No, well. I, I feel like. Well, no, I so I we don't need to. I don't need to. I brought that up because you were you asked for an example of cruelty of policy cruelty on the left, and so I gave you an example of cruelty, like absolute I, cruelty. No, and I hear, I hear, let, I hear you. I, but and I if we go outside did. of a national, if we go out of a national context, how about forcibly intubating patients during the early pandemic? Do you, that policy, the ventilator policy that killed that 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 uh, the chief of the New York uh, City medical system has admitted, killed thousands of people. The purpose of that policy was not to save the patients; it was to reduce the spread of the virus. That's why they did it because they didn't because the exhalations from this contagion, you know, quote unquote contagion. This you know terrible boogeyman of COVID. The exhal- they were trying to reduce the the chance of spread. So this was an aggressive medical treatment whose purpose was not to treat the patient but to protect you know whomever. Right. So this was a huge, egregious, cruel, cruel decision. How about not letting people who were their last days on Earth they couldn't be spent with the people that they loved. They weren't allowed into the medical units or people in senior citizen communities that were shut away from loved ones. Like these were cruel, mean-spirited, indifferent, totalitarian policies. And And they were absolutely perpetrated by people on the quote unquote left, right? Even though I, I, I hate using that term because I don't even know like what that, like the left, the right. I mean, you know what I mean? You know, I don't like that stuff, but but that's an example. We don't have to keep talking about it, but you asked for an example of something on, you know, on the, the national stage that was cruel. And that was cruel. Well, actually, what I asked for is an example. Well, yes, I, I, what I'd asked for before is that we just bracket aside the pandemic stuff because I feel like <laughs> I know that's really not fair. But, but, so not I mean, fair because- but, I, but I also think that that's the thing. That is, the, that is the thing that has, I mean, if there's anything that has sort of caused a rift in our friendship, it's that, is that, 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 that happened to you. And the kind of ways that you talk about your experience as a political being since then have changed. I mean, I don't, it's, I, I feel like you're much more, um, and yeah, suspicious. Like it feels like 
It, it's not, I'm not it's my skepticism is intensified. Um, I, you know, if there's, we, we can talk about the suspicion thing if you want, because <clears throat> there are times, uh, well, let me bracket that for a second. I'm happy to come back to it. Um, I feel like it's in this conversation or around this sort of bring up, like, you know, if there's tension in the friendship around that, like it, it's, it's sort of like, I mean, this awful, terrible thing happened, right? Let's so let's not let's not even give it a name. This awful, terrible thing happened. This awful, terrible, terrible thing is still kind of happening in parts of the country. Mm. This awful, terrible thing absolutely destroyed people's lives. This awful, mm. terrible thing revealed the sham that were the principles of the people perpetrating this awful, terrible thing, and. You're saying we can't talk about this awful, terrible thing because that was a- an exception to the rule. <laughs> like, well, like, fair, no, fair, no, fair, fair. But I think I think what 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 happened was happening in this conversation is that um, we sort of went from a, a more generalized discussion about. Um, Differences in the ways that we regard the right and the left and our mm-hmm. experience with them. And then we talked about a particular candidate. And then I said, well, he does this thing and I think it's disqualifying. And then um, I, I think I used him to make the, to make the argument that um, there are people who I, see, I think of as on the right or think of as conservative champions who will do these things are willing to do cruel things. And you asked if there were examples on the left. And so no, 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 it's more than, no, no, it's more than just doing cruel things. It's, it's doing, taking advantage of people, exploiting people in order to make, um, in order to essentially increase their status in their own political party. And that's what they're doing though. But I'm saying, I I'm saying my argument, so I'm not drifting off point. I'm, I'm saying, I'll let you continue. I'm just saying, I want to be clear. That is what I feel like I'm doing. I'm saying that I, I think that this is why they are doing those things is for politics, not for epidemiology. Right. But I, I don't get the sense. You see, I don't get the sense that when these policies were made that were, that basically insisted that everyone be vaccinated, I don't think that what was happening was the people who were making these policies were thinking, okay, I'm going to run for public office or I need to increase my standing, the, the, the perception that I am this mm-hmm. champion in and among my political cohorts, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that wasn't what was happening. Like, yeah, it was. It, That's for sure why Biden definitely advanced certain uh, pandemic policies post-Trump, because Trump was a very bad man and did not do the things he was supposed to do to protect people from the evil disease. And so, and I'm 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 couching it in that tone because that was the attitude of the collective progressive legacy media. Uh, imagination or framing of the of of how Trump handled the pandemic and so I do absolutely to, believe to protect people but that's the thing it's it, that's what that's, but it didn't though but but what I'm saying so this is but, this is the but so but but here's the here's the crux of it <clears throat> Seth it didn't and 
Travis Webb, right? PhD in the sociology and anthropology of religion, right? So way outside of my field of expertise, totally outside of my field of expertise. Initially, incredibly sympathetic to all kinds of pandemic mitigation measures. Absolutely. I know because I remember on the podcast, we talked about this and we said, I remember we all agreed early. It was like March of 2020. Like Mm -hmm. if we, if we, if we get it right, it will look like we overreacted. And I remember you saying that. Yes. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. And then, so things started to not make sense about the way the pandemic or the the way uh, COVID was talked about. And that raised my little skeptical antenna. And so I started reading more and more and more and more, seeing that what how we, how we were reacting, how the society was reacting, was absolutely politically driven and not driven by science or epidemiology. Okay. And can we, can- you and and, and you you're skeptical of that position, right? You you you're skeptical that it was politics that was motivating it. So I'm. Oh no! No, I'm it's fine. more. No, oh, it's, it's more. It's more than that. It's more than just being skeptical. I think what I'm, what I'm, what makes me uncomfortable is that I don't see that they, they don't seem to be. And I think we've kind of had this conversation in various ways over the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Like I don't see them being on par. Like, and I'm, when I say they being on par, I mean DeSantis doing this thing, and I think stunt is the right word for it, actually. Doing this thing mm-hmm. where he's taking advantage yeah, so of people who have um, been arrested, um, been prosecuted for voting when they shouldn't have, and these and mm-hmm. basically ferrying migrants to a place um, they don't know, um, mm-hmm. uh, exploiting them um, for political gain. Like that does not seem to me to be on par to be to, with these larger sort of overarching policies that sought to at least initially, at least initially come out, they come out of, they are generated by this idea that this is how we're going to protect the public. That lots of people, But it doesn't. So, but see, this right, is, this I get is it. where. I get, no, but I get no, that. No. I get that. But, but no, it's no, the but animating, it's, it's the animating principle that I'm talking it's about. It's not those. No, Seth. So this is, this is where, this is where we are butting heads on this. And um, it's that you you're reframing what I'm saying in a weaker case than I'm presenting. What I'm saying is that this was not the animating principle. There were, there was decades, listen to what I'm saying. There is decades of pandemic planning, money spent on researching the best approach to this, money on masks, money, I mean, studying masks, all the rest of it. And we didn't do any of those things, not because science changed, but because politics changed. I'm saying, I am making a much stronger claim. I am saying that they knew because Because they produced the research themselves that said, this is not how you handle a pandemic. 
What, what I'm right. saying, and what I'm saying, Travis, is I'm I'm not reducing your argument at all. I'm not I'm not trying to take away from your argument. All I'm saying is I didn't I don't see it that way. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm I'm claiming a difference in the way that I interpret all of the th- all of the things that we've both like read and seen and 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 argued about. I just I just see it differently. So what would be what would be okay? So what is the reason why? If that's the case, I also want to I also want to say that. It's not done, right? Because we keep talking about it in the past. The Biden administration just two days ago renewed the prohibition of travelers coming to the country unvaccinated until January 2023. Even though we have now not just mountains of evidence, which we've had for a very long time, but now pretty public understanding that the vaccine does not keep you from getting COVID. Like we know that now, right? That's not secret information. It's CNN is even talking about it, right? And the Biden administration is still keeping foreign visitors out of the United States if they are not vaccinated uh, with an approved uh, COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. That's that's still ongoing. This is literally affecting people now. People who can't visit their grandchildren, people who can't visit their sons and daughters, people that can't come to this country for a variety of reasons because – they are refusing to get a useless medical product. So that's still happening today. And it's going to be continued to happen until at least January 23. That's politics. Mm, Nothing mm. about epidemiology is, mm. is uh, guiding or uh, supporting that decision. So let me then, let's, let me try and, and, and break that apart a little bit as far as you see it differently. If you see it differently, okay, no problem. I, I can hear that. Why do you think then they ignored, chose not to follow the 2019 WHO guidance, World Health Organization guidance, for how to deal with a pandemic, an airborne respiratory pandemic, right? This was something, that, I mean, it was updated in 2019, all kinds of information about masks, all kinds of information about quarantine. Why choose not to follow that? Honestly, I do not know. I mean, okay. my position is that. Well, hold on. Uh, let I think, me. I think. Okay. I, no, no, wait, no, no, I no, no please go on. I'll go. I'm sorry. I think. I think we're going too far down this road, frankly, for for just the kind of conversation that we kind of wanted to have have today, just because it feels like well, no, now uh, it's become a thing where I know you have more evidence. And you have a better grasp of the evidence with, with regard to this whole pandemic response, as you say, which is still ongoing. But so I, I agree, I, I do. Which is which right, is I, I can I bring it. Right, I'm, no, no, I can bring it back to why it's frustrating for me in our friendship mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's actually right at the crux of it, right? Mm-hmm. So. If that is the case, which I readily acknowledge and do not judge you for, who I probably spent, you know, too much time doing that stuff. Like, you know, I, I, that's a fair criticism, right? So I, but then, Seth, honestly, with love, and it doesn't, like, then I don't feel like you have a right to that kind of certainty. Like, you don't have a right to defend a position that you yourself haven't done the homework on. You are then taking, you're presuming that one side is correct based on your social network and or based on authority. 
So you're, but you're saying you don't like, you're not as equipped to, to respond to, you know, the pandemic planning and stuff like that. Like, okay, no problem. I mean, there's all kinds of things you're more knowledgeable about than I am. And I, if you were to hold forth on a contemporary artist, I might ask you some questions and, and, but I just listen to you because you know way more about it than I do. What I'm telling you is that the people who are writing in the New York Times and the various other legacy media outlets and the people who are going on, you know, ABC or Sunday news shows and professing that this was why they were doing things are not being honest, right? In the way that politicians and bureaucrats are often not honest. And they're, everything about the COVID response was dishonest. It was deeply dishonest. And I don't, I, I didn't, you know, the, the conversation, you know, wanting to talk to you, I wasn't even thinking about COVID. But I feel like when we come, like you want to dismiss, you want to bracket this thing that makes you uncomfortable. And I, and I would argue that the reason it makes you uncomfortable is because actually, like, subconsciously, you know, what was done was wrong. That no, you, no, no, no. Okay. So this, may, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. And, and maybe no. I'm overinterpreting you, the, what I would, what I would describe as squirreliness around this because well, go I, ahead, I, please. I, I think I'm mostly uncomfortable because I don't have the wherewithal. I really don't to actually meet your level of knowledge about this i just i don't have the wherewithal to do all the reading um to 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 check all the sources and 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 i feel like yeah if i were if i were talking about like a contemporary artist um there isn't that much at stake like it's it's relatively easy for you to um um uh 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 ask questions, um, uh, kind of test my knowledge on this, on this thing. There isn't as much at stake. Whereas when in this conversation, there's more because at, as you've pointed out at the basis of, of this kind of comparison between right and left is a kind of assessment of the willingness of people to exploit other people for political gain. And then what I'm, and what, mm-hmm. and, and it has been my experience growing up in the U.S., that as much as the left, and I know that for you this is completely different, but it has been my experience that as much as the Mm -hmm. left sometimes has kooky and woo-woo ideas about whatever, um, it has been, what I've seen is that it's people on the right who are more willing conservatives who are specifically who are more willing to arbitrarily um, and violently hurt people with whom they disagree and 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 then make memes about mm-hmm. it like that I you know I just came back from Venice a few weeks ago and I and I mm-hmm. experienced a kind of version of what the social ostracism you've talked about it was is a small mm-hmm. It's a small thing, but I remember having a conversation with somebody else, and she's like, "Well, why are you in the art scene?" And it was this: mm. I was I had previously met a curator named Allison Glenn. Allison mm-hmm. Glenn has been around the the blocks 
uh, so to say, in terms of having lots of um, prestigious jobs in different cities in, in the past few mm -hmm. years. And I know this because mm -hmm. I've written about a show that she curated years ago for Hypoallergic. And I know that she was mm -hmm. at some point in Houston and then she was in Arkansas at um, Crystal Bridges Museum. And then she was somewhere else, I think, and now she's in New York. And, and the last time I saw her in New York, which was months ago, um, she again... We made eye contact, and I think she knows who I am, and I think that she doesn't speak to me, or didn't speak to me at the time, because I had once, in that thing, that, in that show that I had reviewed in Hyper, had called her, her curation ungainly. So I assumed mm -hmm. that she was holding that against me, which is why she never spoke to me. When I ran into her in Venice, I spoke to her, and I said, you know, I'm Seth Rodney, la, 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 and we had a very pleasant conversation, very nice, and she, her energy t towards me was actually very open mm -hmm. and pleasant. And I was surprised. And then I ran into her again, and this was coming off of a day, and so I was heading back to my hotel, and she was with someone who I know, Monique Long, a curator who I've run into several times. And the last time we spoke, she's clearly very annoyed with me. Um, either doesn't like what I've written about or what I, who I am or what I've said, um, mm -hmm. or didn't like the fact that I didn't um, recognize her, the... the few times we've met. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, she was, she, so Allison is walking with Monique and walking with another black woman. And long story shorter, I can tell as we get, as we walk on, you know, Allison and I are making pleasant conversation about dinner plans or plans for the evening. And, and it gets weirder and weirder with her friends because her friends clearly don't want to have anything to do with me. So they're walking slower and slower and I could feel the energy shift and mm -hmm. I could tell that Allison was kind of being like kind of sucked toward her friends and away from me. And mm -hmm. I, and I, and I kind of wanted to say, I didn't know what to say in that instance, I, I, mm -hmm. but I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't trying to spend time with them. I was just walking mm -hmm. towards my hotel. Anyway, mm -hmm. it got weirder and weirder. And eventually I was like, okay, well, here's my hotel. And, and she's just saying, uh, very, um, gave me a kind of, goodbye sort of wave that was very sort of smug and clearly uninterested in, in, in mm -hmm. continuing our conversation uh, again. And, mm -hmm. you know, having felt that, that kind of ostracism, fe feeling that mm -hmm. and, and knowing that I didn't do anything consciously to, to earn that, um, mm -hmm definitely made me feel uncomfortable for the rest of the night. And it, and it really mm -hmm. kind of fucked with me. Mm -hmm. So given that. And so shitty I, experience, obviously. Yeah. And I, I, and given what you've talked about being shut out of these places because of your vaccination status, I have mm -hmm. some inkling. I have some inkling, not, you know, I, I don't have your experience, but I have some inkling of why, you would feel that these sort of larger institutions have acted in a way towards you and people in your situation that is uh, capriciously cruel, that is mm -hmm. mean-spirited, that, um, that is political in a way that doesn't take your humanity into consideration. So I have, I have some mm -hmm. sense of that. Sure. But, yeah. But when we have this larger conversation around particular political figures in the U.S. landscape, 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I feel like I can't ante up to the kind of ways that you understand the pandemic and what the pandemic response has been and continues to be, what that means. Like, I can't because I can't do all that reading. And I feel like in order to actually really participate in this conversation in a way that is um, fully present with all my critical faculties um, Mm -hmm. in play, like... I just don't have the bandwidth to do it. So what I end up feeling is, okay, Travis is all this stuff that he has to say, and it's, and and he's done this research on this thing, and he has this really um, kind of uh, uh, adamantium sort of position that he's come to with regard mm-hmm. to big party politics in the U.S. And I I can't share that because I just I don't. That hasn't been, like, I can't, I don't see it that way. Does that make sense? Sure, of course, I can hear that. I think the thing that is um, uh, frustrating for me in, in that characterization, uh, not the story, I think the story is, is, uh, is a great example of uh, what that feels like, um, especially because, you know, that is your social circle, right? It's a little different. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that, Institutions exclude people. Um, obviously, long history of racial discrimination in the United States, a, a, a present of, of racial discrimination in the United States. Clearly, that happens with creed and gender and all the rest of it. So um, that um, that's real, and, and I'm sure you've felt those things in different contexts. What is particular about your example and appropriate about your example is it's your literal social circle that's ostracizing you, right? These are these are your peeps, right? These are your people. It's your tribe. So, so yes, that absolutely captures you know um, what that felt like for me, and it's mostly gone because you know all of the restrictions are mostly gone. Um, but the thing that's um, a challenge and fr- what, where I become frustrated in our conversations around it is that. I don't, if, if you, if you acknowledge, and I also acknowledge that you are not equipped in the same way that I am to have the conversation about the politics and the underlying, uh, scientific justification for that policy, then why are you so certain of your position? Why are you so certain that you should trust these strangers whom you don't know, why are you so certain that you should trust these politicians who have clear political agendas because they are politicians? Why are you so certain you should trust bureaucrats whom you have no experience of over your close friend who has actually spent time looking at these issues and then explaining to you why the policies why the media's position, why the politics is so fucked up. So the thing that comes to mind when you say that is, I wonder how it would be if, um, like, if you weren't as versed as you are with the sort of history of race relations in the Mm -hmm. U.S., and I tried to explain to you, hey, you know, there's a whole history here, um, Mm -hmm. Um, pre-Civil War to Reconstruction to uh, redlining, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
if I had to explain that to you and you kept saying, well, I don't know. I mean, I th- you know, the white people that I know, they seem fine. Like they don't, they don't seem like, <laughs> like I would be really bothered by that. I would be very, very yeah. bothered by this. So I do, I do, I don't know if that's a, an apt analogy, but I. It I, really I, is. And Seth, can I say, I've wanted to use that analogy for so long, but I feel like I can't because it's really like super not kosher well, glad, for me to make I'm, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you didn't. I'm really glad you yeah. didn't. Yeah, um, right. Me too. I think that was the right call. But yes, yeah, of course, yeah, I wanted yeah. to make that. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. And it would be frustrating for me. I don't know, Travis, though, that I trust these bureaucrats. I, I, I don't know if it's that in a thing for me. I mean, I think what happens is I know from my own like body, like mm. that, and, and maybe it has nothing to do with being vaccinated and boosted, but I know that basically, um, I, I, my response to getting the vaccine has been really good. Like I've never gotten sick. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in my, with my own body, I feel like. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, you probably have been exposed to COVID 90 plus percent. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Have had an infection. Yeah. 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 And, and in fact, I just, when I got back from Atlanta, um, the person I was spending all that time with, um, uh, Donovan and, um, his, um, Colleague Maddie, he said that people in the gallery tested. I don't know if they did, but people in the gallery said tested positive. So I've definitely been exposed. Um, but anecdotally, so is, I know people who are not vaccinated who have the same the same experience. That wasn't mine. Oh. I got sick, but I know people who are not vaccinated who like it was like one side of their nose was runny and the next day it was done. That wasn't mine. I got sick. You know, it wasn't. I wouldn't prefer not to have gotten sick, but. Right. So, um, I mean, so there's the only, the, the anecdotal evidence I have of my own sort of bodily re- experience is like, mm-hmm. it, it, it sort of, you know, makes me think that the vaccine was useful for me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other thing is I'm not, it's not so much the view, it's that, it's the implications. It's not just, it's not the bu- bureaucracy and the, when the sort of, imposition of the of vaccine mandates it's like for me it's i i can tell now that that has not been i it has not been a useful policy it has not been a good policy for most people i get that mm-hmm. but it's the implications i think that i think i don't see in the way you see them like mm-hmm. and i i, I don't you know, I don't know. I mean, this might change so over the, time. I, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I would say that the, I mean, for one, you see ill intent on the Republican side, on the Ron DeSantis side, and on the other, you see benign intent. And well, well, and, I think this is the history of conservatism. Like the conservative, I think the well, which history? I mean, are we talking about United States or world history? Because world history oh, yeah, to left yeah, isn't no. like so great. You no, know, the no, Spanish no, Revolution, no, no, not so good. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, so agree, no, no, absolutely, no, no. In the in the U.S., like I, I think that the conservative platform is absolutely bankrupt. Like that, like their positions for the most part are. But so awful. is the left. Yeah, so is the left. No, I, no, not, what, not bankrupt. What are we? Not, yeah, so I, I would say I would actually I think it's a fair term, and and I think you're right. What's the what is the progressive? What is the non-bankrupt progressive policy? 
that climate change is real and that we have to do things in order to mitigate its effects. Okay, so there are lots of people on the conservative side that believe in climate change. They have a different solution. Lots. The climate change, climate denialists are, I won't say a minority. I actually don't know if they're a minority or majority. I have no idea. I, I, I'm sure you could look it up. Um, I'm sure there's polling on this. Uh, but there's certainly a substantial portion, if not the majority, on the right that absolutely acknowledge climate change. And that, but it's, but it's never that there but, should be. I'm sorry, go ahead. But it's never, but it's never a party plank. Like, a, like a, a, like a, what do they call that? A, um, like when they say this is what we want to do. Like when the House of Representatives get together, the conservatives in the House of Representatives get together and say this is like the contract on America with America. Um, this is what we want to do. That and is, what do they want to do? What? The, the conservatives? The left. What, what, yeah, no, 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 no. What are the um, left? So I'm saying you're saying it's a, it's a, it's a, which I think is a fair, so I, I don't want to just like have a, a punch back. I think mm -hmm. it's fair for you to say that it's a part of their national platform. Mm. Um, absolutely. That's, that's a fair uh, response. Mm. Um, my, I don't feel like it's a serious one though. I, their, their solutions are not real solutions. I'll, I'll give you a really, a, a really simple example. Mm. So, uh, the idea of making all cars electric, right? Or this idea that you would substantially change the transportation uh, uh, makeup in the United States to make road transportation electric cars. There are so many holes in that, but I will pick just a really a, ba a really basic one. In order to make high performance a high performance uh, lithium ion ba batteries for for uh, automobiles, you need cobalt. There's not enough cobalt on earth, on earth, to substantially outfit cars in the United States, let alone the world, to have a positive net greenhouse effect over internal combustion engines. It's not a serious response. Solar, wind, awesome. If you're in the southwest of the United States, the western part of the United States, Worthless dog shit if you live in Seattle or Germany, as Germany is finding out. Germany's going to end up burning more coal than they are uh, using nuclear, which is far worse for the environment. So green policies on the left are totally bankrupt and not serious, even though climate change is real. So I would I would say you're right. I mean, I agree. Let's just let's start with that. I you and I are in full agreement. That hasn't changed in 20 years. The the conservative the conservatives don't really have an affirmative positive plot. They just don't. They they don't have anything. Populism, I think, is reaching for that, groping for it in some ways. Um, unfortunately, populism is often uh tied with a kind of nativism that is uh is is really uh, problematic in the history of the United. It's problematic always, but it's really problematic in a multiracial democracy. Um, so th that is uh, unfortunate. Is an understatement. That is a that's a calamitous union of you know populism and nativism is a real is a serious threat and a real problem. So you know even though I understand populist anger, you know it has a bad has an ugly history in this country. So, and, I, mm -hmm. but on the left, those po even though like so, it's like okay, climate change, but none of their solutions are serious solutions. But they to are, the but they are mitigating the effects of CO two being dumped in the atmosphere. They are. They're probably not actually. So uh, to make an, I, I forget what the actual number is, but you have to 
in order for an internal combustion engine to be worse for the environment than a Tesla, I think it doesn't happen until you drive 70 to 80,000 miles on the internal combustion engine. Uh, electric cars are incredibly environmentally intensive from the mining all the way up to the production. Uh, I've read, I've read it, some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not a good, they're cool. I like, you know, I, I, and I'm all for, you know, innovation and who knows what this might drive or whatever. Um, I'm certainly not anti-green tech or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to get solar panels on the house, you know, thumbs up for all that stuff. So, um, but they're not serious policies. They are, I would say, bankrupt policies. It's just, it's marketing, it's rhetoric on the left. They're not, uh, they're not uh, uh, substantive or serious. Mm, mm, I said that already. Mm, mm. So I think, I feel, I feel like where, where we end up butting heads, if we want to like keep it on a personal note, is that, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the conservative stuff, like, you know, I'm not suddenly a conservative. Like I, there are all kinds of things we could find agreement on. The underlying anger and acrimony that exists in the populist movement, I am very sympathetic for. I'm very sympathetic to, and I do not think that racism explains all of it, which is why you see more and more non-white voters drifting towards a Republican platform, in, in particularly in the Latino community and not just in border communities. So, I have some sympathy for that. I think that you have a hard time having sympathy for that because of your experience of conservative politics and dog whistle racial politics in, in U.S. history, which I completely understand. I get it. I do think that that doesn't fully describe what's going on in the country right now, but I get your skepticism on it. So no problem. On the other side, I feel like you just give the left, I think you feel, I feel like you give Democrats too much credit. I, I feel like they're not good faith political actors and they often play on things in just a self-serving um, and manipulative way as people on the right. And so I think that causes us uh, to, to butt heads on those things. And all I, all I really want is I would just, when we talk about these things on the podcast or, you know, when we're talking, you know, if we're, if we're together, we're having a, uh, a, you know, a drink, it's totally different because we're laughing. We're just like, it's just different, right? It's not so focused and compressed and, you know, we're making fun of each other and stuff yeah, but like that. So it's, it's also, it's, it's also not so competitive. I feel like there's a way in mm. which. Um, that's a fair, you know, I, I agree. Even though you agree. don't, that's, you don't that's necessarily true. mean to do it. Like what ends up happening is like, you your voice takes on this kind of authority on the podcast and it, and it feels like, um, it's a problem. I agree. It, it, there's, there are times I walk away from the conversation and I feel like I, there's things that I should have said, I should have brought up that would have been, uh, 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 well suited to taking a bit of the air out of that, out of the sort of, um, I don't know, the analogy is getting away from me. Um, out of the uh, arguments that you make, I, it just feels like I feel like it becomes. I'm not practicing intimacy. I'm not yeah. practicing intimacy, and in I think that's a fair criticism, and it's something I'm working on. Um, okay, okay. Because uh, I, I, I don't want I, it I to be that combative. Fair. Yeah, I know. Me either. Me either. Um, yeah, for sure not. Yeah, for sure not. I mean, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, and I also think that maybe part of the issue is that I've just. 
I just am not as well led on a lot of the things you bring up. And I just feel like I kind of don't even have to hold, hold on just a second. Yeah, Sorry. of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. This is sales no, it's pitch. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> not even a delivery. So no, not no, the Amazon not even. family didn't drop off something. <laughs> um, um, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. You were going to say. Yeah. I just feel like, uh, like, like moments, like for example, when we like when you brought up like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, and mm-hmm. I know from my experience, or um, or Senator, um, the guy with the um, from um, Tennessee or Kentucky, Kentucky, Paul, Rand Paul, Paul Rand, Rand Paul, yeah, 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 Rand Paul, Rand Paul, like, Rand Paul, yeah. I just I feel like you know, having looked at a lot of social media stuff over the past few years. I spent a fair amount of time on, on Twitter and Facebook. There are these moments when I, I hear something, and yeah, you're right, probably in saying that a lot of the stuff I hear is probably framed by oppositional. Yeah, I would say that's true. Like, a lot of the time it's framed by oppositional um, voices. But I've heard stuff that, that Rand Paul said, or I've heard stuff that Glenn Greenwald said, and it's just, it's just egregious. It's just awful. And so I, 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 it's yeah. harder for me when you bring up those people and you say, well, they're championing this position. And so I think that they're right on this. It's like, in those instances, it's, it's, it feels like, um, it feels like what's the, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of, um, analogy I'm missing here. It's something like, uh, it's, it's, it's like when you bring up the, I want to say it's like food of the poison tree or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like that person is so, uh, it's so, it's, it's, it's so mean spirited. It's so, mm-hmm. uh, it's disqualifying for you. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. and I have a hard so, time making the argument because I don't necessarily have the evidence at the ready. Yeah. So for me, um, uh, what was done during the pandemic was disqualifying for me. Um, I mean, it, it. Yeah, I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it is, is disqualifying yeah. for me. And yeah. so, for, and so, so that what that's turned me into, and this is a tra- this is a transformation. This is not. Uh, this is not how it was. It's turned me into um, kind of a political bricolure, right? So, like, I mm. just kind of cobble together stuff as I find it, and do not mm. feel that I that either place is my home. Um, mm. And and so, you know, it's it, no one. I mean, everyone is beyond. You know, everyone is you know outside of my little fire, and so everyone is a potential ally, and everyone is a potential. Uh, adversary politically, mm. Uh, mm. Uh, except you know, mm. with certain you know examples that are disqualifying for me. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, in my day to day, Travis, I'm probably more like that than any than any other kind of political character because you know, I, I tell that, you yeah. stories all the time about, well, mm-hmm. specifically though, you know how I write. And like, are there mm-hmm. lots of people, you know, besides Monique Long and, and Alison Glenn, who hate the positions I take? Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. Who, yeah, I yeah, that. who, who, who read, uh, into what 
uh, the criticism I write, misogyny and self-hatred. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I, I just, I just, and I think that there are people, I don't, I, I think the people I deal with, and I don't know, I don't know what it's like for other social circles, but they just seem especially, well, yeah, I don't want to gender this, no, but they just seem very, very. <laughs> it's a minefield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They seem yeah. the people who on the, uh, I deal with in the art scene seem primed to just um, mm-hmm. uh, dismiss and ostracize uh, uh, people who don't agree with them completely politically. In fact, there's this mm-hmm. one woman, Shailene Rodriguez, this artist who I. I said something very critical about years ago and I ran into, I was on some press junket and actually I was covering something at the Weller Museum. I ran into someone who's contributes to hyperallergic. They go by they, them, Billy and Ania. And he quoted mm-hmm. Shailene saying something about, we were talking about the politics around um, museum unionizing, mm-hmm. museum mm-hmm. staff unionizing. Mm-hmm. And he said that Shailene said something like, when he brought up that the museum guards were were doing that and that that was a good thing, Shailene, Mm -hmm. he quoted Shailene saying something like, well, of course, the cops would, the museum cops would, you know, be organized first. Right. And that's the the look I had on my face. (laughs) The look that you have now, that look of like, the fuck you talking about? Like that's it's ridiculous. But he was saying that as if that was like this pearl of wisdom. And I remember arguing. <laughs> I remember arguing with my my ex boss Harag about this because I mentioned that to him, and I was like, "This is one of the reasons why I think Shailene is just not very smart. Like that's mm-hmm. not a that's not a that's not mm-hmm. a historically savvy position to take. Fuck out of here." And he argued with me back and forth about that. But yeah, I mean. I think is it I just because they like up, have a uniform with a patch that they think that makes them cops? I'm carrying billy clubs. There's no firearms. Yeah, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Just, no, that, she's ridiculous. No, she's ridiculous. They can't and, arrest and that position, anyone. Like, no, that, that really position like not. is yeah. Because basically, they have authority to tell people not to touch shit. That's. Like, I think that's what. <laughs> It and by that account, then like movie ushers are also the popo. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Anyone who would tell you to constrain your behavior, right, in order to make uh-huh. sure that the objects can be enjoyed by everyone, <laughs> right? They're the cops. Right. Like it's like, right? Yeah. And, and the thing is, I know, I know, I know for a fact. I don't want to live in any world that is designed by Shailene Rodriguez or her friends. Right, right, I, right. I do. Right. That's not the society for me. Yeah, and they don't want to live in that world either. Well, they wouldn't, but they would not admit yeah. that. Yeah. Well, they don't know it. They don't understand. I mean, they, but they yeah. don't want to live in that world. Yeah. Um. So I okay. So this, we went on. So it was a long conversation. Um. Yeah, we, yeah, but it's like almost one. an hour and a half. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I think I come. I think one. I understand your position better, and I think I get why some this thing for you is disqualifying. I, I can I can kind of get that. I think it'd be helpful to if we find ways in the future on the podcast and find topics where we can where it it like what's at stake isn't doesn't like push us towards like 
a contest, you know, like. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, one of the things that is particularly challenging about this one is that, so like, for example, we, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast pretty soon, but, you know, we don't really agree on Israel. Uh, I mean, you know, there are points of agreement, but there are things we don't, but, you know, there's less skin in the game for me in that, you know, I'm, I'm not a Palestinian, I'm not Israeli, you know, I don't live in Haifa. So like there, there's a level of abstraction that makes it, we can disagree without, you know, feeling like it, it's, um, for me that it's personal, uh, even though I know it's not personal for you, but I mean, it ends up feeling that way because, you know, I'm the one dealing with that stuff. And well, then I is, do it is, make it, it is. and then I do make it, cont- and then it does become uh, contentious and, and, and as in like a, a contest and, um, and too competitive. And then it becomes not really the point of the podcast. Um, right. And I think that with, is, with the Israel-Palestine situation, it does, the ways it can become personal is because it, some of the ways that we think and feel about that situation have to do with our very internal, deeply felt moral compass, right? Like, mm-hmm. has something to do with that. And I think in a situation with that we've been talking about with politics around the pandemic, like, that definitely tugs on our sense of like what's good and right in the world and and mm-hmm. and what doesn't what doesn't belong. So, you know, I, I also think that I guess what I'm saying is that some of that is also inevitable. Some of that personalization. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easier for <laughs> me to make I mean, because I certainly agree I am the cause of a lot of the kind of ratcheting up of the conversation. Like the, the emotional um, weight is coming from me. I'm bringing that mm-hmm. to the conversation for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely, uh, have worked on it. Um, and it's a little easier now because we're kind of, you know, past a, the, the vast majority of it. Um, but yeah, that's definitely on me and it's something I've worked on and work on, um, because it's counterproductive, um, yeah, but but I suppose like you know if again if we were to talk about this in terms of race like if 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 you know there were these you know it was this section this this group in society that had literally had its boot on or its knee on my neck and I was like mm-hmm. hey you know this is my fucking this guy has this fucking knee on my neck you don't see he has this fucking knee on my neck <laughs> and I and you were like no he doesn't really he's just trying to protect you like he's not <laughs> right. he's not right. Right. it's not like right. he's like he's trying to keep it's society not about your race so. it's like yeah it's <laughs> right, like come right, on right, right. Yeah. 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 Right. like yeah it would be you know it would be taxing to me. It would be more than a little annoying. It would be like yeah. difficult for me. Yeah. I get yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And it has felt that way, but it to, to give, to continue to, to try and be gracious about it. There are settings for it. And there are times that probably if what I wanted to convey was the boot on my neck or the knee on my neck, there are probably more effective ways to do that than I have done on the podcast. And just like there are, you know, in an intimate relationship, which is what we try to practice, intellectual intimacy, there are ways to make your loved one hear you that are different than, you know, like not washing their dish. There are probably right. better ways no, to do right. that than I've done. Mm. So yeah, that's no, certainly yeah, that's, something that, I, that I'm working on. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Because, yeah, there's a, there's a kind of, 
Yeah, there's a kind of way of of, of getting at this stuff, and I and I feel it. Yeah, that is that is you know more conducive to actual sort of being able to see and hearing, seeing and hearing each other. Yes, um, and I'm thinking of. Um, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of a, a situation that just happened back in um, Philadelphia with a student who was really annoyed with me um, uh, when I was trying to tell her. So artists can sometimes be very stubborn, and <laughs> well, sure, of course, that is easy to imagine. Uh, but yeah, but and 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 this is odd, you know, because when we talk about this like authoritarian thing and like being an authority in a subject and having people like kind of essentially kind of defer to me, um, mm. when they don't do it, it's odd. So I was mm-hmm. having this conversation with this Chinese student. Um, terrible paintings, like, like Mm. awful. And I was trying to explain in really nice, in terms that did not use that language, right? How bad they were. Right. Like how (laughs) you were not even close to like doing something that was in some ways representative of your ambitions, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, you know, sometimes I just feel like, you know, um, People have different interpretations of what they see, and uh, I, my interpretation may be different from yours. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like <laughs> you're, I wanted to say to her, and of course I did not. Your interpretation doesn't count. Like, like what the? F- <laughs> like, it, it doesn't. Like, nobody cares. Well, it does it, if you want to hang it in your bedroom, right? Which is if you want to paint something and hang it in your bedroom. Which is actually where I ended up. I said, you know. We can talk about painting as a kind of mode of, ex- of self-expression. We can talk about painting as a kind of um, uh, 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 um, an exercise that is um, essentially self-referential. That is that is that is about exploring the self. La la la. We can do all of that, mm-hmm. but we also mm-hmm. always have to have a conversation of as painting about painting as a mode of communication because you are presenting it to other people to be seen. Yeah. So you mean yeah. it to have a kind of presence or have some kind of um, people that have some kind of experience with that thing. So we have yeah. to talk about it in those terms. And if we are talking about it in those terms, I'm going to talk to you about meaning and how what you've mm-hmm. put together formally does or does not get at a, a set of meanings that is that um it's perceptible to me. Mm-hmm. And, and they're kind of like, mm, oh, mm, okay. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I mean, that can't be, that can't be the first time you've had no. that kind of interaction with someone. No, but, but you know, the majority, I would say, I, I met with 37 students over the course of four days. The majority Ooh. of them, probably 30 of them, like they were just kind of grateful to hear what I, to have, to be able to spend that time with me. And they took quite sure, seriously yeah. what I said. And then they yeah. were like, you know, three or four or five or six who were just like, well, I'm just going to go do what I want to do anyway. I was like, right. there's not much point in having me come here. If that's the case. Like, just affirmation is what, you know, that's what they're, they're looking for, mm-hmm. in that, you know, what what they're hoping to get out of that interaction mm-hmm. is just affirmation, mm-hmm. not critical engagement. Mm-hmm. 
which is, I think, fine if you are, you know, in an AA setting mm-hmm. or, you're, you know, there are lots of, there are lots of, uh, places mm-hmm. where that's an appropriate expectation from a human encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art critic coming to visit <laughs> your studio is not that, that interaction is set on different terms. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because I just realized I was struggling with a particular interaction I had with a black woman um, in another setting where I visited her studio and she was, she kept telling, she using this work, sorry, using this term to describe her work is speculative. And I, and I was having a hard time with this. I was like, how is this speculative? There's an image of a woman who's dressed in clothing that is normal and she's having a mm-hmm. meal that is very sort of identifiably identifiably ethnic and la 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 mm-hmm. and she has a big afro and la 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 and she's like well he's speculative because she's not real like she you have to see the video but she's not real it's someone that is kind of concocted together I'm like yeah but she looks like someone who I know who lives down the block like that's <laughs> right, so right, right, right. how is this and I could see her getting increasingly frustrated with me because I couldn't Mm. get past the fact that, that, and, and she, and she had some sort of highfalutin art speak about it, like speculative, um, Afrofuturistic, blah, 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 something, something. And what I, what I now realize, uh, what you've helped me realize is that she was not looking for critical engagement. She was just looking for me to affirm that that's yeah. what she was doing, and me yeah. and me refusing to do that made her like, yeah. Which is you know it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting requirement as a profession because to want that from another human is completely normal, right? It's a completely normal thing to want to be affirmed or seen or heard from the other person sitting across from you, stranger or intimate, obviously more intensely felt with an intimate, but you want strangers to hear your complaint. You want strangers to hear your call. That's literally not what a critic's job is to do. Mm. It's, it, it's, in, it's in some sense to frustrate that. Mm. And by that frustration, produce understanding. Um, and that's... Oh, because that's I'm not... Far, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's a hard... Uh, human interaction to have. Right. You have to be trained to have that interaction right. or like have a weird disposition to be able to take it. Right. So I'm not trying to see her. I'm trying to see the work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. You've, you've made this thing. Right. right. And, and, and by, by frustrating, by, by creating that sort of friction, that interrogation, that query, that question, that engagement, trying to reach some kind of understanding with this thing that's been produced, which feels to that person like it's them, Mm -hmm. but it's not Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. It's this thing Mm -hmm. that they've, that they've made that, Mm. you know um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a hard, I mean, it's a hard thing to manage. That's a hard relationship to manage for sure. And, and it gets even more fraught when things like ethnic identity disability comes into this the picture. Oh, sure, 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 sure. I did a studio visit with a woman who has various disabilities. I didn't ask what they are. 
but she's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm doing this work with me- medical tubing because I've had some of the, and I said, why are you using medical tubing? She's like, because I've had these tubes in my body. And I was like, okay. All right. And she's like, and- <laughs> the, that's the tube that was in my, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's making work about that. And, and then I say, okay, so what do you want this work to do? And then she talks about essentially creating the means to have a community in which we are accountable to each other. And I said, okay, what you just said, and we're, we're sitting in her studio. I said, look at that work. How would you describe that work to me? And she's like, well, mm. horrifying, grotesque, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Mm. How do you get from mm. to here? Yeah. Where's the bridge? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, 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 and, I think she heard me. I think she really heard me. And I said, you know, the thing is, you're being too one-sided about your disability because your disability is also a source of strength. This is precisely mm-hmm. how you realize you're able to actually move and be in the world is that despite this thing, mm-hmm. you get up every day and you come to your student and you work, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How yeah. how does that figure into that version of you? Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like that was probably a fairly. I mean, that sounds like a fairly productive conversation. Yeah, well, I thought it was. Yeah, it would, or, or at least meaningful, right? An actual yeah. real encounter with someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 what happens sometimes. Is that we sort of move beyond the object and we actually get back to the person, which is actually kind of beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get that. I mean, cause obviously ultimately these, these activities that we're engaged in, whether it's making art or something else is, is about, you know, the humans mm. and, mm. um, it's just, um, it's complicated to engage with people over meaningful things mm. that you have two different commitments to. Mm. It's just really, it's a really hard thing to do. So. so I guess we've gotten to a good place. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it. Yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. Um, so, okay. I mean, I guess uh, we're, we went long. So if the, for those of you that hung in, so <laughs> hope you enjoyed uh, the, the back and forth. So, mm. um, and uh, I'll catch you well, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk in uh, two weeks with Steven. Steven will be back. Yeah, um, I want to just make sure that I'm actually around in two weeks because I'm going to Chicago. Oh, that's right. I'm going to Chicago next week. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah, I'm fine. And then I'm back on the 18th. And then there'll be, um, we have to have something around. So wait, no, you're back. So we should probably do it on the 19th then, right? Because if you're coming back. No, 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 no. I'm no, no, I, I didn't. No, I'm. I'm only in Chicago for the weekends from the 10th to the 13th. So I'm. Oh, okay. No, I'll be, I mean, I'm, what I meant to say is that I will be here. Um, and then, ah, okay. and then we'll okay, probably need to have a conversation to have something to do with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That sounds good. Um, okay. It's good to talk to you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.